Hi, thanks for joining us online. We're glad that you've chosen to access this message. It's so encouraging to know that God is using the ministry of Portico Community Church to touch the hearts and lives of people all across the world. If you have a story to share or a prayer request, we would love to hear from you at info at porticocanada.ca. To support our ministry, you can donate online by clicking on the Donate button at the top right of your screen. Once again, we're so glad that you've joined us. It's our prayer that this message from God's Word will deeply impact your life. Hello. <laughs> Good morning. Welcome to Portico, whether you're joining us here live or online. My name is Rick, and I'm the campus pastor out in Milton, and Portico is one church, one message, many expressions, and we have multiple different campuses meeting all over the region, and we're so glad you've chosen to join us here in what I like to call the second best expression of Portico. If you come out to Milton, you'll find the best expression of Portico, but that's just my humble opinion. If you've never joined us, come on out next week and we'll show... Yeah, see, some Milton people are here, you know. (laughs) We are journeying along this fall in a series called The Great Adventure, and we're looking at the topic of evil this morning. Does it exist? How do I resist it? And we're coming into a season in our world where we will be presented with it in a very visible, real, tangible way. Did you know that Halloween is now the second largest commercial season venture in all of North America? Over $6 billion this year alone will be spent in costumes and in candy and in decorating. And and really, this is a a person's first introduction into the dark side of the world in most in most times, the little the girl on the screen said, I, I believe in monsters. Like, where do you think those kinds of things come from? Whether it's movies or, or, this, or this season. Because parents will dress kids up as witches or ghosts or even the devil in the next coming weeks. And the church has had multiple responses to Halloween over the years. If you go way back to its roots, it was a festival called Samhain that was held on November the 1st. And it was believed that dead people would return, their spirits would return on November the 1st, so people would leave out candies and treats on their doorstep to ward off the bad ones. So Pope Gregory III, he he Christianized it, and he declared November the 1st All Saints Day, and they were going to honor the martyrs and those who had gone on before them, the heroes of our faith. So then the 31st became All Hallows' Eve, or All Hallowed Eve. And then as we had the European immigrants start to come over to the New World, their traditions followed them. And it was actually not until the post-World War II time that we had this family-friendly holiday that seemed to um, be in our society where kids would go door-to-door and getting treats. And so the church responded again. And we had these things called harvest parties or hallelujah parties. Did anybody attend one of those or you had your kids attend? Come on, yeah, you had, we came and, and we would dress up as like the characters from Noah's Ark. Because we still, we wanted our kids to get candy, but we weren't sure if it was right to be participating in some of these in, in, in the rest of the festivals. We would do it within the church. And now, and now most recently, the church has stayed very quiet about it because we don't want to um, offend people, but we also don't want to necessarily embrace the dark roots of the festival. But whatever your personal response and belief is, this is going to be a number of weeks when you are visibly reminded that evil is present and sometimes even celebrated in our world. And if you look at the news over the past few weeks, well, you can look at the shootings in Las Vegas and no one's even really able to put their mark or their, or their, or their understanding on why that happened, why he would go up and have this mass murder just going on and we, we don't have answers to that. 
Even in our own community here, there was a teen a couple of weeks ago who was beaten to death. I don't know if you, if you saw that. Just in our own neighborhood, just down the road in Streetsville. And in your world, you'll know of stories of racial or gender inequity that's happening. You'll be either reading stories or maybe you've, you've participated in helping to, to step into the needs of injustices all around the world. It, whether, it's, whether it's at your workplace, whether it's some other region of the world, how people are treated and, and how we experience this world. It can be a really dark place. And for a working definition of evil this morning, we need, we, need, we need to have something that we're all commonly understanding. And evil is anything that goes against who God is and what he is all about. God is good. God is loving. God is caring. He is forgiving. He is inclusive. He is righteous. He is holy. And evil is anything that is the opposite. From the glorified imagery of Halloween to the bullying that kids experience in their schools and online, to the mass murder we see in Las Vegas. Evil are the things that that separate God and humanity. If you go to John 10.10, do you remember this scripture? One of the reasons that Jesus came and his his purpose on earth was the thief comes to steal, steal, to kill, to destroy for evil. What did he come for? Jesus came so that we would have... Life. And life is the opposite of evil. And in, in the English language, you know that they're actually spelt backwards. They're, the, um, they're, they're, they're spelled backwards. E-V-I-L-L-I-V-E. Your mind's just blown right there, right? Whoa. God is the opposite of evil. But we live in a world where evil exists. And if you really want to live, and you're here, we believe that you have some interest in figuring out what it would look like to really live for God. So open up your Bibles. We're going to go to the book of Ephesians. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 6. You can follow along in your notes, whether they're printed in the bulletin, whether they're on your app. You're going to be following along. We're going to take on this topic. And I was laughing at Pastor Doug and Pastor Joe because, you know, the last few weeks they've tackled the real hard-hitting topics of, is the Bible true and does God want to speak to us? And I said, and then I come and they're like, now you just figure out how we respond to the massive evils that go on in, in our world. So thank you for that. <laughs> this is wonderful. <laughs> Ephesians 6 and 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We need to remind ourselves that this is a battle that we are fighting. A few weeks ago, we looked at the problem of of sin. That's the battle that we have within ourselves. And sin is no longer a battle that we fight. That war was won 2,000 years ago with Jesus on the cross. He defeated it. It's over. It's not our job to fight sin, whether it's in our lives or in somebody else's life. Jesus already fought that battle. But injustice and evil and hatred, that's a whole different story. There's a big debate that actually prevents people from even saying, I can't come to God because there's bad things that happen to seemingly innocent or decent people, so I have no interest in God at all. And Edmund Burke, one of, uh, an Irish philosoph- philosopher, wrote these words, all that is necessary for the triumph of evil is that good men do nothing. The injustices in our world are often less about what God is or is not doing 
and more about what human beings are doing to each other or what we permit and permission in our world. So we want to spend the balance of our morning looking into this struggle. What is the call of a person who is striving to live not just a good life, but a Christ-centered life? What is our response to the evils that we see in our world? So if you're taking notes, pull out a pen, or if you're tapping them into your tablet or your phone, your first one is rely upon God's strength, not your strength. There is very little that Rick Carroll is equipped to to do to prevent international terrorism or racism or domestic abuse. I make a mean vanilla latte. I can run fairly quickly. Solving global hatred may be beyond my scope and capacity. But we serve a God who it is not beyond his scope and capacity. We serve a God that is able to wipe it away in a moment. And he has indeed promised to wipe it away. Eventually, we will get to the time where he said, there'll be no more crying, no more pain, no more... We, li- we are promised a time of perfection. But ironically, right now, we live in this time that some would label as we live in a time of grace, where humanity can still come to right relationship with Jesus so that we would be given this perfect future. But in this time of grace, there is also evil. And we live day to day personally affected by the brokenness and the hatred and the evil in our world. In fact, we live in a humanistic society that would say, inside of you, there is an answer for every problem you face. No matter what challenge is there, no matter if you want to figure out the answers, there is an answer if you look deep within yourself. So what happens when we look deep within ourselves to some of these bigger problems? Like, sure, I can get over a stub toe or I can get over if I have to find a new job or my, my car broke. Like, these are sad things I can get over. There is, we have some strength within us. But what happens when you look deep within yourself and you don't see an answer to the big problems that you face? Or you look within yourself and you see brokenness. What do we do? Well, Scripture doesn't paint a picture of a humanistic society. It says, don't look inside yourself. God didn't actually design you and I with the strength that we will need to face every challenge that's out there. He designed us to be codependent. Look what Ephesians 6 and 10 says. Finally, be strong in what? Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. The strength that we have to face the evil in our world does not come from within. It comes from him. And when we face evil, we need to be reminded where this strength is coming from. When I was 17 years old, I had been a Christ follower for about two years. I was just attending a youth group. I had been on a couple of youth retreats. I was really starting to understand the plan that Jesus had for me and who, who, who he was, why he died for me. And for all my high school years, I had been doing a paper route. That's how I earned money. My, my mom, God bless my mom, she would get up with me at six in the morning, drive me to this apartment building. We would spend half an hour, we would deliver newspapers to this apartment building and we'd drive home. I'd go back to bed because I was a real teenager, go back to bed and sleep to the last possible minute, eight o'clock to get to school by 8.30. So this was my life. It gave me spending money. And on the second day that I had been doing this on my own, I was 17 years old, just got my G2 license. I pulled up behind the apartment building and I'm carrying the newspapers to the apartment building and I hear people screaming at me, put the stuff down, put the stuff down. And I thought, you want the newspapers? Take the newspapers. I I really don't, I'm a 17 year old kid. And I turn around and I see four men with guns running at me and they came up and they put the gun to my head and they blindfolded me 
and they put my hands behind my back and handcuffed me and put me in my van and took me away. Brand new Christian, just learning what it means to follow God, and then God allows this. I had some good conversations about God, about evil in the world and what he was permitting and what he was able to do in those few hours that I was held captive. I said, God, if you, if you really loved me, you wouldn't allow this to happen. Or God, if you really love me, you'll get me out of this. I started thinking about what it was going to be like when my kidnappers took me to Mexico. I'd never been to Mexico. I wanted to experience what Mexico was. All kinds of thoughts going through my head. Turns out a few hours later, they robbed the place they wanted to rob. They just wanted to use my vehicle so that no other vehicle would be identified there. And they blindfolded me and kept me down so I couldn't identify them. And they let me go unharmed physically three hours later. And God protected me. However, then I began a journey of trying to figure out, is God going to continue to protect me? I don't feel safe in my world. There are horrible people in this world. Why would God allow to do that? I I went through deep moments of depression and anger at God, anger at myself, even some moments where I'm like, if this is how my life is going to be for the next number of years or for the rest of my life, where I jump when the phone rings or I'm scared to get into my car, I don't even want to live. I began to talk with, I had a a great youth pastor that I began to talk with and went to some counseling appointments and begin to speak about my the fears that I had and how, how I was going to work through this. And it was at a service at the Toronto Airport Church. And this, we've been talking about how God speaks and God has messages that he wants to give us. This is the only time I've ever, ever heard an audible voice. But I heard the voice of God saying to me, I love you, I will protect you, and you need to go tell other people that I love them just as much. And it was, yeah, we can tell, thank you God that you were able to speak in that moment. And it changed my recovery, and it changed, I stopped looking for an answer within myself, continued with the counseling process, because we need that. It didn't heal everything, still had the thoughts, but I began to understand where I could go for strength, where I could go to fight the battle with the evil that was presented to me in my life. Ephesians 6 and 13 says this, therefore put on the full armor of God. What is the armor of God? If you, if, you, if you study this whole chapter, it's salvation that is given to us by faith so we don't have to worry about our life. It's truth that speaks to us and our world, truth beyond ourselves and what's relative to us. It's truth that is timeless. It's truth that goes into every situation. It's the peace of God that is given to us when there's horrible situations around us. It's righteousness that is given to us by our Savior, the full armor of God. Because we will have regular experiences that will cause us hurt, that will cause us brokenness. We will see regular experiences that will make us angry. And the gift of God that is to us is the exact opposite of evil. It's life that he wants to give us. It's strength to face it in his strength, not our own. And if we want life, we need to recognize that God holds the trump card. He gives us strength. And that deals with our mental, emotional struggle. It deals with our spiritual brokenness. But for the balance of our morning, I want to spend a little time looking at the practical response that you and I should have. So once we figure this out for ourselves, it's got to extend beyond the personal healing. It's got to extend beyond that. In 1940, in Germany, 
If you know history, you know what would have been happening. There were Jews who were being taken out of their homes, being robbed of everything that they own, eventually being robbed of their lives, and they were being carted off to slave encampments. Now, Germany is a highly Christian nation. In fact, it was the birthplace of the Protestant Reformation where where Martin Luther walked up to the door of of a Roman Catholic church and he nailed 95 theses on the door so that everyone would know that salvation happens by faith alone. It isn't through a priest. It isn't by indulgences. That, the, that we could pay somebody's way into heaven. The only way that we get to heaven is by faith in Jesus Christ and it's for everyone. This, this is a, a Christian nation that knew the truth. And in 1940s, as the Germans would get together for church, they could hear train cars going through their town and screams of Jewish people being taken away to have their life taken from them. And there's stories that come out of German churches. They said when these horrible injustices were happening, the instructions were when the carts go by, make sure we sing a little louder so that we don't hear what's happening, but we just can focus in on God. Our job is not to look at Dwayne. Now, Dwayne is a loud guy. If you want to know a story about Dwayne being too loud, you ask him about what happened this week. When You ask him. <laughs> Our, our response is not, let's have louder church services. Our response needs to be, what am I doing to confront the evil that is happening around me? And our second fill in the blank is that we need to always be prepared to confront evil. You and I, as Christ followers, we bring the very presence, not only of good, we bring the presence of God wherever we go in this world. Evil has been defeated and evil remains a present reality for us. And you and I are called to take on whatever injustice we see going on. Romans 12 and 9 says this, hate what is evil, but cling to what is good. You know, in the, in the mid to late 19th century, we saw the rise of a movement called the social gospel. And, the, and they looked, the believers looked at the injustices in the world. They saw where there was crime. They saw where there was poverty. They saw the wars going on. They saw the hatred. And they said, we are called to step in. We can't keep holding church meetings while nothing is happening in these situations. And they actually developed an entire theology that believed Jesus would return when they wiped out hate and injustice and poverty. When they got rid of all of that, when earth looked like heaven, Jesus would come back. And they emphasized working for good even more than making a faith decision dealing with a person's soul. And what they lacked in theology, they certainly made up for in a lifestyle that emulated the heart of God. And they went far beyond how we respond many times today. They established organizations and programs that changed the lives of people. They began the Underground Railroad that looked at slaves and said, we, this is not right. We are going to risk our lives, our livelihood. We're going to get you to a place where you are free because you deserve freedom because you're a child of God. They started the, the YMCA that provided housing and food for people who didn't have it. This is where the Salvation Army began at Christmas time saying, don't go get something for yourself. Give into this little kettle. And they had the kettles out in front of the stores that we still see today. They stepped into the issues of their day and said, it's not okay for us to continue to meet and have church and do nothing about the issues that are going on around us. And you know, at times it feels like these issues are so big, we look at what's happening. 
We can't affect societal change, so we just go about our regular life doing the best that we can. We can break it down into a more manageable piece for you today. Where do you intentionally bring light into your world? What is the thing that you see going on around you that you say, that is not right? That is not God. I need to step into that. Somebody that's being treated unfairly. Somebody that needs to know that they're loved. Somebody that needs to know it's not all brokenness. There is a God that knows them. Ephesians 5 and 11 says, have nothing to do with fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. Step in and show light where there is darkness. We live in a global community today. We can see everything that's going on in our world, whether it's at home in our workplaces and our neighborhoods, or whether it's to the far regions of the world that you or I may never have a chance to go to or never take the opportunity to get there. Because we all too easily let life become a series of self-indulgences. Did you know that Canada is a top 10 nation, depending on the year, in disposable income? Some of you are like, you don't know my credit card bill. I do not have disposable income. MasterCard has disposable income on my behalf, but I don't have disposable income. Regardless of what we may think, we have ability to make time for travel, for entertainment, for the frills of life for ourselves. And it isn't just our money. It's our time and our focus. We get swallowed up in looking at How can I become better at work? How can I invest more time at work? Or maybe it's how can I invest more time at home with my kids, with my, with my, I need to make sure my kids are getting to rep hockey on the weekends and I need to make sure that my bills are paid and I need to make sure my iPhone bill is paid. What if the measure for your life became how much light have I brought to my world this week? Nothing else. How much light did I bring to the world around me? What about your life would change? We have three campuses and an online campus meeting this morning. Three live and an online campus meeting together this morning. There will be well over 2,000 people who are meeting the worship God in the campuses of Portico. And one of the highest values around this place is to serve Christ's mission in the world. We only do three things. We we connect with Christ and his family, we grow together in Christ-likeness, and we serve Christ's mission in the world. And I bet that each of the 2,000 people that meet together will make sure that they have time, whether it's a hobby, a Netflix episode you've been watching, a spin class, a hockey game, a school council, even just quiet time. I bet we will make time for that this week. But our stats show that we have about 40% of us that partner in the ministry together as a church. And most of us, this is not a guilt thing, most of us recognize it's a good thing And we will find the season of life to do it. But have we prioritized the right things in our world? Or have we become a little insular? Self-focused. I bet many of us looked at the price of a missions trip last year. If you were going to go to Africa with Pastor Dwayne, you would have seen it was $3,500. And you're like, I cannot add that debt into the growing debt that I already have. I can't do that. But I bet... If you went and you, you had all the bills lined up, I bet you could see where you spent $3,500 on just frills for yourself. And those $3,500 could have been spent in going in, I'm going to work in a school where kids aren't getting 
the kind of education that I know we can provide for them. And these teachers aren't feeling support. I bet I could do that. I bet I could serve into the medical clinic where people aren't getting the right medical care. I bet I could serve into the life of kids who don't even have a mom or a dad and just needed to know that they were loved. <laughs> you want to spend $3,500 on the trip to Niagara Falls and lattes or $3,500 on letting people know the heart and the love of Jesus Christ? What are we evaluating our life by? You and I will never experience true fulfillment in faith until we learn to put the needs of others in front of the needs of our own. And I can say that confidently because that's the life that Jesus lived. Go to the story in John 8, the lady who was going to be stoned because she had committed adultery. There was a group of religious people that brought her around and they said, we found this lady. She was sleeping with another guy and the law says we're supposed to stone her. They were, they were doing what was religiously right. That's the law that had been given to them. And Jesus goes, time out. Have any of you all sinned and needed to know about the love of Jesus? Because if you haven't, then you go ahead and, and, and judge her. But if you have needed forgiveness from God, then walk away. Don't throw any stones. And they all have to walk away and go, oh, I'm so undeserving. I can't be somebody, I can't be somebody that just keeps doing religion the way I've always done it. I've got to do something different. And then he looks at the lady and he says, and he says, nobody's condemned you. Now go and live differently. He stepped into two giant worlds and he said, I'm going to advocate for the rights of women, which would never been advocated for in the world, in, in their world and in that day. Because how many people would it take minimum to commit adultery? Two. There, there had to be two people, but there was one person there being judged. And if you see all throughout Jesus, Jesus' teaching, even the first people to see or to be witnesses to him coming back to life were women. And if you wanted to just illegitimize a movement and saying, well, we can't believe them, it would have, it would have been to rested on the backs of women because their word wasn't taken as truthful as, as, as men. But he chose to involve and include and, and highlight the rights of women. He took it on in that day and said, we're not going to do religion the way we've always done it. I'm going to step in and show care and love for people that need it. And he brought truth at the same time. He said, stop sinning. Don't sin anymore. But I'm going to show how much I love you. And I'm going to step into the midst of the darkness that was presented to you. The problem we get is that there, we get comfortable or we get familiar with the dark deeds going on around us and we forget that maybe it's even sin. Now the Germans, <laughs> they turned a whole blind eye to racism and abuse and murder because worship was more important. The Jews, they allowed sexism to become normal because it was the culture of the day. What are the great evils of our day that you and I have turned a blind eye to and said, I just, there's nothing I can do about that. I'm going to be in church on Sunday, but not a lot I can do about this. And if your mind doesn't work that large, what is the injustice going on in your school, at your work, maybe even in your home? Where is it not life that Jesus designed? Where is it the opposite? You and I are called to speak to that. As our band returns, my wife and I were married in our early 20s. We were married for five years. <laughs> we had just done a fifth year anniversary trip to Europe, we, living the self-indulgent, but also trying to honor Christ 
with our lives. We had leading in youth ministry here for a number of years. We had led missions trips. We had taken kids all over the world. Amanda led school conferences and trips where she would take kids camping and expose them to what it looked like to go camping up north with her and maybe get to a place where they would never get to go. And she would sacrifice her time and energy at work, at school. We regularly made sure we gave our weekends, our extra time, that kids could come and hang out, have people be with us. And we influenced hundreds of kids on a yearly basis on some level so that they would know Jesus. Trying to do the best that we could. And then God spoke very clearly to us individually about, I want you to adopt a child. And I've told the whole story before this setting, and he spoke the very name of our child twice (laughs) so that we would recognize her when we met her. And he said, all of your life, you've been trying to do a few things for everyone, and I want to reorient you. Instead of being a few things to everyone, be everything to one. And everything about our life changed when we heard the voice of God that day. We took training. We got into the system of fostering and adoption. I went back to school to get my master's in psychology. Amanda continued to do training. She had this degree in psychology because we wanted to care for kids that wouldn't know families otherwise. We, we adopted our child. I volunteer for two adoption agencies now, speaking on their behalf, working with them. If Pastor Doug would let me, we'd be running nothing but programming for kids who would never know what it's like to have a family. Because <laughs> I love your kids. But it's your job, actually, to take care of them and love them. It's not my job. It's not our kids' ministry's job. We'll, we'll, we'll help, because he says we'll help. <laughs> He's... But James 1.27 says this, pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father, it means caring for orphans and widows in their distress. Not baking class for kids on Sunday, for on Wednesday. It's good, but not all that God has called us to. The only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is that good people would do Nothing. And the most important thing we could ever do to intervene into anyone's life is to introduce them to Jesus and let them know that there is hope beyond the reality that they face today. There is hope for a future. He will give them peace. He will give them life. He will bring healing. That is the most important thing we could ever do. But as we do that, we need to be caring for the injustice that we see. Because it's the heart of God is to step into people's lives and say, You need to know that there's a God that loves you. And you and I are gifted with the privilege of demonstrating that. And it would be foolish for us to step into a situation without reminding ourselves with which the power that we come. We don't come in our own strength. We come in the strength and the gifting of the one who's invested his very spirit into us. We come in his name to bring life and hope. And we can do it. Which is, if you're filling in the blank, the last one, if you're a type A, immerse yourself in prayer. There, there's your third one. (laughs) Don't go in on your own behalf. Go in knowing that God empowered you to go. Ephesians 6 and 18, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert 
and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. And who are the Lord's people? Everybody. <laughs> it doesn't matter if they're here with us now. It's everybody. It's the people we walk by who are hurt and broken and don't know. It's the people who are living, who don't know if they want to keep living today because of the junk of our world. We need to pray for them and then act. And we're going to end this morning with a time of communion. And we are going to remind ourselves about the victory that was won on the cross that conquered evil. And we are going to remind ourselves about the hope that we have to offer this world. And as the communion service come now, just come and begin to distribute the communion elements. That we, it's open for everyone to participate in. As long as you believe in Jesus, you believe that truth, please feel free to participate with us. No obligation to, if you're just joining us today as a visitor and you're not sure, that's fine. But as they pass out the communion elements, I want you individually to reflect specifically where are you called to bring hope? Not where are we called to bring Where are you called to bring hope and be the light that Jesus empowered and called you to do? We've been talking the last couple of weeks that God speaks in so many ways. The Holy Spirit is there. He's going to empower you. He's going to lead you. Would you listen to the voice of the Spirit this morning as the communion elements are passed out? And then I'll come back and we'll lead us in a time of reflection. As we prepare to receive communion together, do you remember what Jesus said to his friends as they were having Passover together? He said, I'm going to want you to keep doing this after I'm gone. And did he say, I want you to do this as a tradition, because tradition is good. <laughs> no, what did he say? He said, I want you to do this in remembrance of me. Now, why, what did he want them to remember? Wanted to remember their history. He wanted them to remember the purpose for which he came. Jesus did not come so that you and I could continue to have great church services. I love great church services. I love when the band is great and the lights are going and I love it. It is not our purpose. Our purpose is to help people find their way back to God, to serve his mission, to grow together. Our purpose is to love and care for widows and orphans. Our purpose is to bring light into our worlds. I don't know what it is for you. I, I really believe that as we were just spending that time in reflection about how Jesus paid it all on Calvary, I really believe God spoke to some people's hearts. And don't leave it as an emotional, reflective moment. This, this is to be life. This is to be why we exist. He said, remember why I came. I came to show you what it... God's love looks like lived out on earth. He left heaven. He left what was good for him. And he said, I'm going to sacrifice my life so that you wouldn't have the same kind of pain and problem in your life. I'm going to step into the injustice that I see. I'm going to tell you very clearly how much God loves you. And I'm going to demonstrate the truth that he has in his word as well. He came to reveal a message of hope to broken people in messed up places. And we remember that today. So as we receive communion together, pray that the Holy Spirit 
would speak very specifically to us. Let's remember the body of Christ that was broken for us on our behalf. And together, let's drink the cup of his blood that was shed on our behalf. And we leave today to go do the same thing. Lord, I pray for every individual here. You have called us to go and share victory, to share truth, to step into dark places. Lord, I pray that each individual feel your power with them, regardless of how long they have known you. (laughs) It's not a history thing, Lord. Would they understand what they bring, who they work on behalf of, Lord, I pray that we would not leave this place feeling guilty for what we haven't done. We would not feel this place feeling complacent just to keep going. We would feel this place, leave this place on mission, ready to step into the dark places and bring light. Lord, help us to honor you wherever we go, whatever we do, because you're the one that will overcome in this world as we live on behalf of you and empowered by you.